few weeks ago, Gina and I were traveling. Um, we were in the mountains and we were around Leadville and having a great time looking at all of the uh, scenery, the beautiful mountains and trees and streams and all that. And we were following Google Maps. And as we were following Google Maps, we came to a dead-end road. There was cement barricades that were there. Now, Google is supposed to know better, aren't they? I mean, don't let me down. And, you know, the rebel inside of me started to drive around the cement barricades and just keep going down the road like, you know, like everything was going to be good. But I knew that I probably couldn't do that. We had to take a detour. And it took us a while to kind of get to where we were going, kind of figure it all out because Google kept trying to send us down the closed road. But... We took a detour, and I was thinking about that this week as, we were look, as I was looking at Genesis chapter 25, and it occurred to me that life has a lot of detours. We're on a journey, we're on a path, we're on a road, all of a sudden we're on a detour. Maybe you're still on a detour. Maybe you never thought that you would be where you are today because you've been on a big, long detour. But God has a great destiny. God has a plan for every person's life, every family, every individual. God has a purpose. God has a plan. But there's always detours along the way. And I want to share with you a message today called Detours to Your Destiny. Detours to Your Destiny. Take out your notes. You can follow along with where we're going today. In Genesis chapter 25, Isaac is the son of Abraham, the father of Judaism, actually Father Abraham is regarded as the father of the three great world religions, Islam, Christianity, Judaism. He's the father of faith. And if you look at his story, you see that him and his wife struggle to have a child, but in God's time, they give birth to a boy named Isaac. Isaac is the son of promise. It is through Isaac that the Jewish nation is to be established Why is this important? Because the redemption of humanity has to take place, and God is going to send a Savior in and through the lineage of Abraham. It's very important for Abraham to have have a son. And furthermore, it's very important for Isaac to have a son, because the nation of Israel can't be established if some babies are not born. But Isaac, like his father Abraham, is having trouble conceiving. And in Genesis 25, we see this story of him and his wife, Rebecca. They're on a detour to their destiny. They, they know that God has called Isaac to be one of the forefathers of the great nation of Israel, but he can't have any children. And uh, so what does this family do? Well, there's two, two detours to our destiny I want us to look at. One is stuff, and one is self. But let's look at stuff first, because stuff happens. I, I found this game <clears throat> online called Stuff Happens. Does that sound like a great game right there? Look at that. And Stuff Happens is a card game, and you can order this on Amazon. Anyway, I felt like a commercial. I don't mean to do that. But um, you got these cards, right? And you read the cards, and you have to rank them in order by how much stress that this event may happen in your life, you know? So, 
like one of them is your heart surgeon graduated last in his class or maybe you were sitting on an airplane with a screaming baby for six hours or you got into a disagreement with a coworker or whatever. But here's a few other ones. Um, the entire family catches the flu. That's one. 26 hours of labor. Okay? Amen. Here's a good one. Your kid kisses a rattlesnake. Okay, watch out for that. Uh, teen does their own piercing. That's my favorite right there. Love that. Don't try that at home, teenagers. 40-year-old son moves back home. Stress. Uh, spouse runs away with a babysitter. Don't do that, guys. Come on now. Kid is arrested abroad, okay? Um, <laughs> and there's 200 cards, so there's a lot of stress in this box. So I'm going to go ahead and put the lid on it right now. Put that right there. But stuff happens. Sometimes the stuff that happens in our life that is a detour to our destiny is not necessarily bad choices that we make. Sometimes life just happens. The coronavirus hits and you lose your job. Something unexpected. You, you felt like you were really healthy, but you went to the doctor and you got a, a bad diagnosis. Um, life happens. Unexpected things come our way. And what do we do when that happens? Well, for, for Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, it was that they couldn't have uh, children. And so what did they begin to do? Look, look at verse 19 of Genesis 25. These are the family records of Isaac, son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took his wife, Rebekah, daughter of Bethel, the Aramean, for, uh, from Padan Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. And the Lord was receptive to his prayer, and his wife Rebekah conceived. But the children inside her struggled with each other, and she said, Why is this happening to me? She went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people will come from you and be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So a couple things going on there. They can't have children. <clears throat> Isaac prays, and God hears his prayer. Now, Isaac uh, is 60 years old when his first son is born, or when the twins are born, Jacob and Esau. 60 years old. Now, can you just imagine going to like little kid soccer games when you're like 67, you know? And you're sitting there next to all the 24-year-old dads, you know? And you're, you, you know, they think that you're all like the great-great-granddad. Okay, that's the life of Isaac. Isaac was on the slow plan, okay? He, he's 40 when he gets married. He's 60 when he has his children. But don't miss it. He prays. How should we respond when stuff happens in our life? Prayer. We should respond with prayer. And Isaac is a man of faith. He's been taught by his father Abraham. And he prays. And he begins to talk to God. God, we really would like to have some kids Lord, would you intervene? And uh, it took a while. You know, sometimes you have to pray about things for, for a while for them to really take root and to really begin to happen. Um, don't get discouraged. Don't, don't get down. God has a plan. God has a destiny. And Isaac prays to the Lord because his wife was childless. And actually this word prayed in verse 21 is a word that's translated pleaded with. 
Isaac pleaded with God. When is the last time you pleaded with God in prayer to intervene, intervene in your stuff? When was that? And in verse 22, uh, his wife, Rebecca, prays too. Uh, look at that verse again. But the children inside her struggle with each other. And she said, why is this happening to me? And she went to inquire of the Lord. So Aber, uh, uh, Isaac prays, Lord, please give us some children. And then Rebecca prays when she conceives and she has a UFC fight going on in her belly. Now, this is before ultrasound. You know, today you can look at beautiful pictures of your baby before the baby's even born. I mean, it's incredible, those pictures. But in ancient times, obviously that wasn't the case. And now she's got two babies, but she thinks she's got one baby and they're fighting in the womb. It's like Taekwondo, UFC. You know, Esau's got Jacob in a headlock, and then Jacob, you know, jumps off the turnbuckle and punches Esau in the face. And I mean, this is all going on in the womb. And Rebecca probably thinks she's about to have a miscarriage. I mean, Lord, please don't let this happen. It took forever for me just to even conceive. And now that I've conceived, I feel like I'm going to lose the baby. Lord, what is going on in my womb? Maybe she even looked down late in the pregnancy and saw four hands, you know, or four feet. Maybe she thought she was going to give birth to a monster. But to her surprise, it was two struggling, young, fraternal twins by the name of Esau and by the name of Jacob. The reason there was so much activity is because there was twin power in her belly. And it all began to make sense. And she begins to ask God, God, why is this happening to me? Her question is different from Isaac. Isaac pleaded with the Lord. Rebecca inquired of the Lord. Listen, when, when stuff happens in your life, it's okay to ask God, God, why is this happening? I think the older that we get, the more we can look back and we can kind of see maybe the, the handiwork of God and maybe some reasons or some rationales why God allowed certain circumstances or things to occur in our life and we gain a little more perspective. It's true that sometimes we pray about things and we still don't know exactly what God is doing. That's true. But, but I love that she inquired of the Lord and as she prayed, God began to kind of show her her destiny. And God speaks to her actually and says, listen, in your womb is two nations. She was like, oh, well, that's it. It's two nations. Okay, thank you, Lord. And they're going to fight each other. And one is going to be greater than the other. And the younger is going to be dominant over the older. Or the older will serve the younger. And so God answers her inquiry. You know, you may have some questions. You may be like, Lord, why is this happening? And God may just say to you, hey, this is what it is. God may point to a verse in the scripture or the Holy Spirit may quicken your heart and you may be like, man, I feel so much better. I know what's going on. And, and Rebecca gets the, the comfort and the confirmation. She's going to have the babies and there's two of them and that's why there is so much activity in her womb. And the, the word struggled uh, here in verse 22, the children struggled, is a word that means to fight. And Esau and Jacob are going to fight for a very long time as the story unfolds. But we ought to ask God when we have those questions. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Never stop praying. Never stop praying. 
I mean, when you have a detour to your destiny, prayer is your greatest friend. And we ought to pray, God, why? And we ought to pray, God, what? And we ought to pray about whatever is on our heart. We ought to be talking to God. And uh, Isaac and Rebecca were praying people, and they kept praying for a really, really long time. Now, many women um, struggle with fertility issues. That, that's something that really hasn't changed. And, you know, when you read the Bible, you have to go, man, you know, actually, the human condition and suffering and struggle is really a lot the same as it was thousands of years ago. It's pretty amazing. But so many people struggle with fertility issues. And sometimes uh, it's easy to feel like that maybe those fertility problems or, 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 or reproductive issues might come as a result of some type of sexual sin. And a, a lot of people carry a lot of guilt and a lot of weight and a lot of condemnation over, man, I, you know, if I wouldn't have done that back a few years ago, then I wouldn't be where I am today. But I want you to know that the Scripture never says that, and we should never build ideas and doctrines in our life based on what's not said in the Bible. And um, God's mercy and, and grace is with us when we, when we make these mistakes and let's don't read into the text God's wrath or God's anger um, over some of our past stuff. Rebecca was a good Christian lady, good believing lady. She was a nice girl. She loved her husband. She prayed. She loved to worship. I mean, she's a, she's a great mom. It wasn't, it wasn't that she was like disqualified. Um, it was just that sometimes stuff happens, doesn't it? Sometimes stuff happens. So we shouldn't see every turn as a punishment or a consequence for maybe past choices that we've made. Um, let's not read into the passage here. Um, the, secret things, the secret things belong to the Lord. And God's ways are higher than our ways. Now God works in the struggle. Okay, When stuff happens, God is still working. Don't believe for a second that just because some stuff came your way, that God like abandon you or like you're not on a journey with the Lord. Sometimes in the struggle is where God does his greatest work. The history of Israel is struggle. Read the pages of scripture. The book of Exodus, the Israelites are in Egyptian captivity for more than 400 years. Struggle. God sends Moses to deliver them from their oppressor struggle struggle get to the book of Joshua what happens they're trying to take over the Canaan the Canaanite land they, they they there's a struggle the battle of Jericho and many other battles there's a struggle that's there God works in the struggle read the book of Judges it's even worse God works in the struggle read the book of Esther uh, the, it, the Jewish people are going to be wiped out and Esther intervenes at the last moment, the queen, and begs the king to not kill all the Jewish people. It's incredible. The history of Israel is struggle. God's greatest work in your life is going to be done in a struggle. Listen, the birth of Jesus Christ was a struggle. Remember, Joseph and Mary have to run to Egypt. They got, they got to flee for their life because Herod's going to kill them. Struggle. Now, you would think everybody would be excited. Like the Savior of the world has showed up on the scene. We, we, we are all rejoicing and singing and worshiping and bringing gifts. And No, 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 no. There's always a struggle. 
Life is full of struggle. And sometimes the greatest work in your life will be done in the struggle. So see, don't don't, don't be discouraged when stuff happens. God is still at work. We're in a series called Change My Heart. And one of the applications for us today is that God would change our heart towards the struggle. That God would change our perspective and our viewpoint and our vantage point um, of the struggle so that we would begin to, to still see the destiny and the purposes and the plans of God in the struggle. There's a struggle to get pregnant here in Genesis 25. There's a struggle in the pregnancy with the boys fighting. There's a struggle at the birth. Jacob, the younger, is grabbing the heel of Esau as Esau is coming out of the womb. This is a foreshadowing of the upcoming conflict between these two boys, Esau and Jacob. And then as the story unfolds, uh, uh, Esau gives away uh, his birthright to his brother, Jacob, and Jacob tricks him, and he's called the trickster. Um, Rebecca is confused about these babies in her belly, but man, God is at work. We ought to celebrate the struggle. One of my uh, pastor friends died a few years ago of a disease similar to Lou Gehrig's disease. I can't pronounce the name of it. It's about that long, but it's something like that. And he gave a message um, at a conference I was at a few years ago about the struggle. And, he, and it, it was an amazing message because this guy obviously has a date with death, and it's soon. And he can hardly stand up. He's preaching from a chair, you know, and his, his speech is slurred. And, you know, he's been battling this disease for a few years, and it's, it's just, it's tough. And he talked about how God had worked in his family, how God had worked in his children, how they had developed so much compassion and sensitivity. He talked about people he had led to saving faith in Christ um, that were terminally ill that he would have never had the opportunity to speak to had he been well. And he went on and on and on outlining all of the great things about the struggle. Not to minimize the pain and not to minimize the hurt and the hardships that he and his family were enduring, but But God was still working in his life, even in and through such a difficult, difficult time. God's with us in the struggle. You're you're not alone in the struggle. Stuff happens, but God is still at work. But there's also a second detour to our destiny. And it's very different from the stuff. Because the stuff is, is just things that are that just come our way that are kind of unexpected. But sometimes our own self gets in the way. Sometimes it's our own decisions, amen? Sometimes it's the choices that we make. We knew this was the right direction to go, and instead we did this over here. And self and stuff are both detours to our destiny. But let's see where this story unfolds, beginning in verse 27. When the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter and an outdoorsman. But Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. Isaac loved Esau because he tasted the wild game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted, and he said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff because I'm exhausted. That is why he was also named Edom which means red. And so the red man is going to eat the red stew. 
verse 31, Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Jacob's like, I'm going to work the deal. Okay. Verse 32, look, said Esau, I'm about to die. So what good is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. And then Jacob gave bread and lentil stew to Esau. He ate and he drank and he got up and he went away. So Esau despised his birthright. The first time I read this passage, I thought, Esau is stupid. This is a dumb guy. Now, the birthright was everything in the ancient world. The oldest son received two-thirds of the inheritance. So if you took all the livestock and all the land and all the possessions, and you did like 66%, that went to the big brother. Little brother and the other brothers got everything else divvied up. Jacob is crafty. Jacob is manipulative. Jacob is a thinker. Jacob is smart. Esau, on the other hand, is, well, I don't think he was so smart. Not so smart. But you know, I thought about it. People have been doing dumb things since the beginning of time. I mean, Esau is not unique in the fact that he got his birthright, his inheritance ripped from him for a bowl of beans. He got the short end of the stick, didn't he? But people, groups of people, individuals have been doing stupid things forever. So there's nothing unusual about that. The word Esau is, means hairy. And so when Esau was born, he was like a little Wookiee baby. You know, like he had hair on his back and hair under his arms. See, he didn't even have to go through puberty, man. He, he was dialed in. He was ready to go. It's very unusual in the Bible for Scripture to detail what a baby looked like. But it was so striking how Esau looked, I think that the Genesis record had to put it in there. Now, I've seen some ugly babies before. I mean, one of my responsibilities as a pastor is to go to the hospital. And I can say this publicly because I haven't done this in a while because the hospitals, you know, don't let me come anymore. But there's some ugly babies, I mean, out there. I mean, you know, like mama thinks all the baby's beautiful, but I've seen some real ugly babies before. I've seen some beautiful babies. I've seen some ugly babies. But this baby, Esau, was nasty, man. He had hair all over him. I mean, it was, and he was red and hairy. Just think about that for a minute. This was not beautiful, okay? This was not good. Jacob, on the other hand, the fraternal twin, is grabbing the heel of Esau when Esau comes out of the womb. Now, this is a foreshadowing of the conflict that's about to ensue. Um, so Esau is favored by dad because he hunts wild game and he keeps dad happy and feeds him. And mama loves Jacob because he helps out around the house. I mean, could these boys be any more different? Okay? My wife is an identical twin and her and her sister are very much the same. I mean, they, they consider themselves like together only children. You know, they have like this twin language where they think of themselves as one. I'll ask a question like, you know, Gina, how was it when you were growing up as a kid? And she'll say, we this, we that. Because it's all about the twin, identical twin sisters. They're, they're the same. They do everything together. And this is different, though. These are fraternal twins. They're, they're, they're universes apart. Esau, the wild, hairy, red man, he's out working. 
the wilderness. You know, he's like the kind of guy that was a forefather of the cast of Duck Dynasty. He makes his own jerky out of his wild game. He has nunchuck skills. He drives a Ford F-150 with a gun rack in which he rebuilt the engine. He can skin a buck. He can run a trot line. He, um, he's started shaving in kindergarten. I mean, he's a man's man. This is Esau. This is Esau. Jacob, on the other hand, was more like the guy that wore like skinny jeans and drank herbal tea. Okay? He's helping mom around the house. He's putting pictures of his red stew that he cooks for everybody on Instagram. You know, um, He is a thoughtful guy. He gets his eyebrows waxed and then posts selfies. And, you know, it's just two, two, two totally, there's, there's conflict in the home. And Esau's not so smart and Jacob's real smart. Esau's got the muscle. Jacob's got the brains. And so when Esau's about to die, Jacob's like, perfect opportunity. I'm going to steal the birthright. I didn't like being the little brother anyway. I was only born like nine minutes after him. Why shouldn't it be belong to me? And you know, the prophecy said, God told Rebecca that the, the older will serve the younger. And I don't know if Jacob knew that or not, but if he did, he may have said, well, it's mine anyway. But listen, you don't have to rip somebody off just because God has spoken something into your heart and into your life. So Jacob is manipulative. He's the schemer. He's the worker. He's working it behind the scenes. His name literally means heel grabber. Esau, red, hairy man. Jacob, trickster, schemester. I'm going to trip you up. I'm the heel grabber. Perfect time. Esau is dumb. Jacob is crafty. But both boys were selfish. Do you see it? This isn't just about the sin of Jacob, it's about the sin of Esau too. Jacob was manipulative, crafty, and self-centered. Esau was impulsive, short-sighted, and driven by physical desire. And both were wrong. Both were wrong. Um, Isaac picked Esau, but God picked Jacob. Now here's another way to look at this whole thing about the younger will serve the older. The nation of Israel comes through the lineage of Jacob, not through Esau. Esau's descendants are called the Edomites. If you read the Bible and you see Edomites, oh, Esau, that's his people. That's a whole different clan, a whole different group of folks. The descendants of Jacob are the nation of Israel. So you'll read in Scripture where it says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and not Esau, but Jacob. God chose The younger. Why did God choose Jacob over Esau? I have no idea. (laughs) Sometimes God just chooses to do things. God picked the underdog, though. I like that because there's been a lot of times in my life where I've been the underdog, maybe where people didn't really expect that much from me. And God sometimes chooses to do some of his greatest work through the people that are the least likely to accomplish it. At the beginning of the story of Jacob, Genesis 25, we see the selfishness of Jacob. But as this series unfolds, we're going to see how God takes this crafty, this crafty, sinister, tricking, manipulative man and turns his heart into a heart that is totally yielded to God. He becomes one of the great heroes of Scripture. 
But it didn't start that way. See, we, we kind of had this idea that there's like two kinds of people. There's like good people and like bad people. And everybody starts in one category or another. I want to submit to you today, everybody's heart starts with a selfish bent to it. The difference is people who have had their hearts transformed by the power of God and people who haven't. And Jacob and Esau are going to take two totally different paths, even though they started kind of in the same arena with self. Let me give you a few scriptures, because whenever Esau is mentioned in scripture, he's always referenced as a metaphor for selfishness and for flesh. Okay, look at this right here. Uh, Hebrews 12, 16, and 17. And make sure there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know uh, that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears, because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. In other words, self. Sometimes we trade what we really want in the long term for what we can achieve in the, in the present, in the instantaneous. We, we trade the long-term blessings for a short-term little bump, if you will. This is Esau. Esau in Genesis 26, 34, when Esau was 40 years old, he took his wives, Judith, daughter of Beri, and the Hethite, and Besameth, daughter of Elon, the Hethite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Flesh. He married non-believing women. And it upset his parents. And it broke his parents' heart to see their grandchildren being raised in a home where faith and confidence and trust in the Lord was not being shared. And it caused conflict and it caused strife. Esau, again, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm impulsive. Instant gratification. Um, And there's so much conflict and problem that come with that. Um, instant gratification is something that we struggle with today. Um, sometimes it's with overspending. You know, I drive a Mercedes, but I can't pay my mortgage. Or um, I can't send my kids to school, but I wear Versace shoes. Or I can't get groceries this month, but I wear the finest suits. We, we can be so into having certain things and certain experiences that we don't think about where that path is really taking us instant gratification drug and alcohol addictions instant gratification not being able to control the words that we say sometimes we just instant gratification we just say whatever comes to our mind and we worry about the consequences later this is the spirit of Esau and there's two people within us there's the old you and the new you in Christ See, my my birthday is on November 16th. That's when I was physically born. But guess what? I got born again on June the 4th. So I have two birthdays. I have uh, a physical birthday. I got a spiritual birthday. And there's two yous. Just like Rebecca had two, two, two beings in her womb. She had Esau, flesh. She had Jacob is going to be a man that's transformed by God. She had flesh and spirit within her. The same is true in your own life. We have a little bit of Esau 
and we have a little bit of Jacob, and then whatever we feed is who we become. But we have this struggle. We have this struggle that's in, within us, and it's a, it's, a, it's a tough struggle. Now, if you look at Hebrews eleven twenty one, here's the New Testament's commentary on the life of Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshiped, leaning on the top of a staff. Is that awesome or what? I mean, first of all, he's a really old man, so he's leaning on top of a staff. But he was blessing people, and he was worshiping. He was blessing, he was worshiping. We're going to talk about, over the next few weeks, how God changed Jacob's heart. But when it all ended up, because you know what? Life's not about just about how things start. Life's about what do we do? with the stuff what do we do with those sin impulses in our life what do we will we let the spirit lead us and direct us will we let god recraft and retrain our heart even though we have these attractions to destructive behaviors and 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 attitudes jacob blesses others and he worships god listen there's detours to your destiny Stuff and self. Esau's path is I'm self-indulgent and I'm going to do my own thing. Jacob's path, I'm broken and selfish, but I need God to change me. (laughs) And it's a beautiful story that unfolds. The birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, comes through the lineage of Jacob. And the history of the world has been forever changed by the birth of Christ. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to write your name in the spiritual lineage of Jacob by becoming a follower of Christ. Would you do that today? It's it's the greatest decision that you'll ever make. The greatest choice that we'll ever make. But before we do that, I want to lead us in a word of prayer.